You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Everybody be cool, this is a robbery! And let you fucking pricks move! And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you! It is the editing bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name is Joe. Mine's Joel. It's Ted. And there's Tess. That's right. <laughs> and uh, this is, it's the beginning of a new year, which means that we are looking back on the previous, uh, a fantastic year mm. that we like to call 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yes. the, the year was interesting. It, it found us uh, uh, kind of quarantining and having to start recording uh, apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it presented its own special technical problems. Uh, you know what? Not problems opportunities there you go nice way to look at <laughs> to, it to overcome and, and try to make something positive out of a a really negative thing but now here we are uh 2021 all of our problems are over <laughs> we made it uh, <laughs> we made it there definitely wasn't a uh a, a, a violent rebellious yes. uprising Attempted in the nation's coup. capital today no definitely did not happen this afternoon uh but no we're gonna we're gonna have some fun tonight we're gonna look back on some great moments uh, of 2020 in the editing bay. Uh, but before we get started, mm. uh, something that we wanted to uh, to talk about here, and we'd already announced it on social media as well, right. uh, the 2021 Eddies marks the, uh, well, I guess for, for better or worse, like the, the, the end of the editing bay. Yeah, the uh, final episode. I mean, I feel like there's probably a chance that we'll maybe come back together and talk about movies in some way, shape, or form. Yes, never say um, never. N- never say never. Also yeah. because, you know, our friend of show, Luke Hawkins, gave us access to HBO Max with the request that when we do our Justice League Snyder Cut oh. episode, that he be on it. So maybe keep looking forward to that. <laughs> we'll have a yes. little special edition. Stay subscribed, because uh, if you were a subscriber to our uh, video game podcast, the 8-Bit Gladiators, you'll know that uh, we just brought that back this year after five right. dormant years. Uh, and the feed just kind of refreshed, and now you're getting new episodes. Uh, so if you want to hear us chat about uh, video games, uh, some of us, you know, every other week, every now and then. I'll probably be there every week, but uh, maybe Joel will pop in every now and then. Maybe Tess will show up. We'll have an assortment of guests uh, talking about video games. And since we won't have an opportunity to talk movies on this podcast anymore, uh, any movie talk you'll probably hear in the first five, ten minutes of that podcast. So uh, subscribe on go. 16bitgladiators.com uh, to our video game podcast. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, for now this this marks the end of an era, Joe. And because it's the end, we couldn't we could not sign off on this thing without having a little bit of new movie talk. Oh yeah. Um and I wanted to just kind of get this out of the way. I know there's a lot of people that watched it. Uh Wonder Woman 1984 was released on HBO Max and in theaters uh same day back on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And this was, uh, I mean, I guess you could call it a polarizing film. There are a lot of people that liked it and a whole lot of people that didn't like it. In fact, our house is divided. Uh, where, oh, really? Where Sarah, was, Sarah did not enjoy her journey <laughs> with Diana in 1984. Um, <laughs> but I, on the other hand, kind of liked the movie. And, and the thing is, it's not to say that it doesn't have problems because it has a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. The, it's... It's a bit of a mess of a movie, but at the same time, I enjoyed it just like how I enjoy a Fast and Furious movie. Like, okay. It's it's cheesy. For me, it was cheesy in all the right ways. Uh, the only difference was Diana doesn't have a car and she doesn't have a shaved head. But other than that, it was kind of like a <laughs> Fast and Furious movie. Like the Fast and um, Furious. But there's also a moment 
near the end of the movie, and I don't want to spoil it or anything, but they there are two other movies that use this piece of music. It's called Adagio in D minor. It's used in the movie Sunshine, and they mm. also used it in the movie Kick-Ass. And both moments brought tears to my eyes in very no small part due to this piece of music. And the same thing is true for this movie. Uh, it's... It, it's her having this like really reflective moment, but it's very profound, uh, very symbolic, and the music kicks in in just the right way hmm. and gets me super emotional right before the conclusion of the movie. And honestly, I thought me liking it was kind of a fluke, so I watched the movie twice and still enjoyed it the second time around. Wow. Um, so I I understand, and the thing is, I see why people won't like it. it it's not a mystery to me, but for my money. Which you know, it's on Luke's dime. <laughs> so, so I got to watch it. For me. So for my money, it was fine. It was it was it was a pretty good film. Did yeah. You guys see anything? I'm, I I am already a subscriber to HBO Max, and I probably will check it out. But uh, I, I wasn't really excited about it. I, the first one was fine. The first one was good enough uh, for a yeah. DC movie. Anyway, uh, it, yeah. I don't really think it could touch any of the quality of even the weakest Marvel movies. Uh, but I was right. I, I, I was yeah. curious yeah. about this one. Uh, but the longer the time has passed since its release, and uh, especially hearing reviews like yours, Joe, uh, and and I think I'm going to side more with Sarah because uh, I don't really have an affinity for that character, that world, uh, as much. Uh, although I do like me some Gal Gadot, so uh, that might yeah. be enough to uh, to check out. But uh, in my time, I've been watching uh, the new season of Cobra Kai, season three yes, on sir. Netflix. No time for uh, Wonder Woman. That's been taken up. No, still, uh, we're on the second to last episode because I've been bouncing back and forth between that and uh, the Queen's Gambit. Also on Netflix. Cobra Kai, season three. Tess, where are you on that season? I just finished it before oh. the episode, man. Oh, yeah? Bro. Yeah, I'm ready yeah, for it. Yeah, I can't spoil it, but I'm don't ready for season it. four. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. They stick the landing on this season. Good, good. Because yeah. uh, some of these episodes are... Uh, I, I, I care. I, I love Miguel, and I love... Uh, Johnny Lawrence, I love that. Yes, they're my two favorites. Exactly, man. Every time they're on screen, all their scenes together, they're the best moments of the season. And then I don't, yeah. I could kind of care less about uh, Ralph Macchio Miyagi and his though. daughter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, I, here's they the thing: I was telling Sarah last night. I was like, and it was as as Johnny is kind of going through his journey uh, with Miguel in this season, mm -hmm. and they're starting to kind of hit their stride. And I turned to Sarah and I was like, I could watch like ten straight episodes of just these two. Yeah. Yep. interacting with each other and like going yep. on this character journey with each other without even adding in the conflict from other stuff. I know. Yep. Uh, although the other stuff pays off. I mean, because Cobra Kai isn't just Johnny's story. No. Uh, and, yeah. and that's, that's a, it's a curse and it's a blessing because it's nice to catch up with Daniel LaRusso, but Ralph Macchio as an actor I know. has not aged well. No, he um, hasn't. No, his, his, his acting chops have not improved. He's kind of awkward and like lanky. Like when you see, him, when you see he's, when he starts doing his like martial arts, mm -hmm. he's kind yeah. of like almost clumsy looking yeah. with his it's big stiff. long arms. Like huh. it's kind of embarrassing yeah, exactly. to watch him and a bunch of other like 50 year olds pretend like they're in their twenties. Doing uh, yeah. you know, karate tournaments and shit, and I'm just like, come on, who, right. who are we kidding? You're too old for this, Grandpa. Exactly. However, that being said, I did enjoy his journey, and I don't think this this spoils anything. I think this is in the trailer. His journey to Okinawa. Yeah, uh, I like those episodes. In, in this season was really good, and in fact, like getting to catch back up with Chosen specifically mm -hmm. was was a real treat, and I kind of wished he had a little bit more time in the series. I agree. I, that was very well done. I thought it was going to be uh, contrived, but uh, that was one of my uh, one of the better episodes of this season, I think. 
Tess, what about you? What have you been watching? Well, I finished Cobra Kai, and um, uh, before that, I had also watched the Sabrina series because that had came back. Oh yeah, but I'm I'm not gonna talk too much about that. <laughs> but I will tell you though, it was a good season. I like it because she gets half naked in like every episode. She does not get half naked in every episode. It's like every fifth episode. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> shut your face, Joe. <laughs> but speaking of new movies though that have came out that I saw recently. I saw this movie that everybody's been talking about recently, and that's Disney's Soul. Oh! That, that Pixar came out. Yeah. And I, and oh my God, guys, lives up to the hype. Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely lives up to the hype. It's one, of, it's one of the best Pixar Disney movies I've seen wow. in the last few years. So you know how like, I tell you guys about you still need to see Coco, because I, lo- I love Coco to death. It's right up there with that. It's definitely in, like the top three top five now and so do you guys know what the story or the premise kind of is looks like it's inside out but with jazz musicians in the afterlife (laughs) yeah yeah you know a a bunch of all that it's kind of all that shit wrapped into one but i definitely do recommend it yeah oh i'm planning on it man i could tell just from the trailer and the subject matter that it was going to be right up there with inside out and uh the incredibles uh yeah i i i prefer that type of pixar over you know cars three or even Toy Story Four. Yeah. Hey man, Toy Story Four was pretty strong. It didn't have bad actors like uh, like Cars. <laughs> or that was, uh, that was so horrible. I was trying to like no. go into the first category. <laughs> I see your attempted like, segue, Joe, and I grant yeah. it because uh, this is our Eddie Award <laughs> episode, and uh, without the categories, it is not. So uh, let's so not let the uh, the audience linger any further. Let's kick it right off with uh, our first category, which um, you know, much like what the Oscars does. You know, they'll always start off with something strong, right? They don't start off with all these technical issues. They'll just jump right in with best actor. So we're going to do the same thing. The equivalent of that, of course, is our worst actor category. So once again, back as is always, uh, brother Lauren Bernson uh, will be our announcer for this Eddie Awards. So uh, tell us who the nominees are. Take it away, Lauren. And the nominees for worst actor are Jean-Claude Van Damme in Time Cop. Robbie Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, in Cool as Ice. Jamie Dornan, in Fifty Shades of Grey. Wesley Snipes, in Passenger 57. Devin Sawa, in Idle Hands. (laughs) No, that's definitely deserved. Oh, yes. Devin Sawa? I love that he's like, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, for those who don't know who Robbie Van Winkle is, that's his real name. He chose this Vanilla Ice moniker uh, to try to seem cool. But as we saw in Cool as Ice, he was not cool as ice. He was uh, one of the most deplorable not. people and actors, I would say. Part of my issue, I think, with this category this year mm-hmm. is that uh, some of the people that are nominated aren't exactly bad actors and they're not doing bad work. No. They just had bad material to work with. You're talking about like Jean-Claude Van Damme? I'm talking about, I'm talking about like Wesley Snipes. Surely, Joe, you're not going to try to defend Jamie Dornan. Has he been in uh, anything where he's put in a better performance than Fifty Shades of Grey? She, she did a, a like a show that was on with um, Gillian Anderson mm. played a cop and he played some kind of convict or whatever. Mm. And the thing is, I never watched it. I just saw a trailer for it recently. And at first I thought he was Henry Cavill. I was like, holy shit, is that Henry yeah, Cavill? I could see that. It's not, it is not. It was Jamie Dornan. But the thing is, like, even in Fifty Shades of Grey, which I don't think he's great in, no. I still blame that more on the material than him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you will notice that uh, in our next category, uh, his co-star was not nominated. Uh, because even though it's a shit movie, uh, she she did the best with what she had. Whereas Jamie Dornan, uh, just a, a, just a psychopath to the end by, in that film. By saying yeah. she did the best with what she had, do you mean she showed her tits? <laughs> I'll leave that up to oh, the listeners yeah. uh, to <laughs> decipher. But for now, let's uh, figure out who the winner is in this category. And Please the, tell me. The winner for worst actor in a 2020 movie. Is Robbie Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, for Cool in the Place. Yes, it was a landslide, uh, no contest. That makes sense. He was he was so bad. Not only was the material bad, but he was horrible. Like, even Michael Gross, who yeah. plays the dad in this movie, is trying. He's at least trying to do something. Vanilla Ice the whole time is just mugging, and, like, he, he may as well have just had a mirror in front of him the whole movie, and he was just talking to himself. It's just a punk. Because there was... There was no chemistry between him and no. his love interest, and it was he was just so uninteresting. He shouldn't have been in this movie in the first place. It was so yeah, bad. Check it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, I, I think we're all agreed. Uh, yes, Robbie Van Winkle was the worst actor, just a deplorable human being, and uh, oh, glad he's no longer in our lives. I'm uh, really surprised that that I can't even remember the name of the actress that played opposite him, but I'm surprised she isn't because I'm looking at the the list of worst actress nominees. I'm surprised she isn't on the list. I actually liked her. And since I'm the one who comes up with the nominees, that's why she got <laughs> left off because oh, wow. I thought she did a pretty good job. Her name, by the way, was uh, Kristen Minter. And uh, I left her off that list because her job was to pretend like she had some interest in this horrible person. Uh, and I think she she did it with a plum. Oh, that's right. She was the sister in Home Alone. That's right. Yeah, she was the uh, the older oh. sister, uh, and hasn't really done much else. Uh, I guess her her gambit to uh, kickstart her film acting career with uh, Vanilla Ice maybe was uh, ill gotten. But it kept her off the worst actress uh, nominee list. But let's see who did make uh, our list of worst actress nominees for 2020. Take it away, Lauren. And the nominees for worst actress are. Mila Kunis in Oz the Great and Powerful. Renee Zellweger in Me, Myself, and Irene. Mia Sara in Time Cop. Jessica Alba in Idle Hands. Emmy Rossum in The Day After Tomorrow. Oh my gosh. I think the day after tomorrow should win for worst actress in this movie. Just, <laughs> just the, movie. the movie, and well, uh, stay tuned later. That uh, movie may show up in another category or two. Joe, oh, spoilers! Very prescient of you. Uh, I think yeah. um, I think we all know who won this right off the bat. Like you don't you don't well, have it marked on this paper. Usually you have these marked. Yeah, but I think I think we can all agree who you, the worst actress was. Well, you think so because uh, we can agree. I think you might uh, be surprised. It was a tie for me between Mila Kunis and Jessica Alba. Uh, I thought they were both bad. Now, Jessica Alba has been better in other things, uh, but man, does she look like a novice in idle hands and embarrassing the but things they've asked her to do. She was. I think that was like her first movie. Yeah. 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 Whereas Mila Kunis know. has no excuse because she did an Mila entire Kunis series. Uh, that was mine. My vote is Mila. I, I'm, I'm voting for Renee Zellweger, so I guess we can't all agree on this. I, guess I think Renee can't. Zellweger was horrible in Me, Myself, and Irene. Well, Joe, then uh, you and the listeners agree because she is yeah. the winner of the Worst Actress category. Renee Zellweger for Me, Myself, and Irene, which I thought was a little surprising. I think she did okay in that. I just uh, She's not really meant for comedy. I can't think of another I, comedy she's done. Didn't we talk about it on the episode that like Jim Carrey is like doing all the heavy lifting in yes. that movie? 
He's doing everything, yeah. and like every, she is all his giving him nothing to work with. And in fact, we found out like they kicked off a romantic relationship. Yeah. After working on this film, and we were all scratching our heads, like, <laughs> how? Why? There was no chemistry between the two of yeah, them. Yeah, they looked like they hated each other in that movie. Yeah. Renee Zellweger, who I think is a very talented actress, and she's done plenty of work that I think is good, but me, myself, and Irene was not it. Uh, um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, audience got it right. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. I'm proud of you. Let's see if they uh, got this next category right, which is uh, something that this is one of my favorite categories, Joe, because uh, one of the things I've enjoyed most about this last, what, seven, eight years doing this with you yeah. uh, is yeah. your, your penchant to uh, go off into impersonations, whether we're talking about celebrities or oh, uh, people we know. Uh, you you just have a talent for that, uh, which is why you kind of dominate our next category, which is best impersonation. Yeah. So uh, let's take a little listen here uh, of some of the clips from uh, you and others who are nominated for best impersonation of 2020. And the nominees for best impersonation are Joe as Jason Statham. Well, Jason Statham. Oh, <laughs> but it's something he'd be in a chair. I'm Charles time. Xavier, bitch, <laughs> bitch. I'm gonna roll this chair down to where you are right now. I'm gonna turn it sideways. I'm gonna shove it up your ass. You see? That's right, brother. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Joe as Sean Connery. He did an interview with Barbara Walters because yes. he was totally for hurting women. Like he was all about hating women. If you have tried everything else, this and women are pretty good at this. That they can't leave it alone. They don't. <laughs> oh they want to have the last word. And you give them the last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again and get really, really provocative. Then I think it's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> you keep asking that question, Barbara. you got to have a backhand coming your way. <laughs> you, you want a fresh one? <laughs> uh, which isn't funny. That's not funny. No, do not uh, uh, beat women. Joel as Don Knotts. Uh, I had a conversation about possible furloughs going on um, across the company. My favorite characters from Shit. Three's Company. Fur- Mr. Furlough? Mr. and Mrs. Furlough <laughs> from upstairs. Yeah. The They're so funny. Now listen here, Jack. There's no homosexual activity going on in this apartment complex. Joe and Devin Pike as Foghorn Leghorn. Let me ask you this. I- if Kevin Hart is uh, Daffy Duck, who is his uh, Bugs Bunny? That would be the Dwayne Rock, the Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's what I thought. I was going to say the same. <laughs> it's only natural. Vin Diesel would be the, uh, he'd be Foghorn Leghorn. And, uh, <laughs> I thought I saw I thought I saw <laughs> I, I, I said, I live my life a quarter of a mile at a time. I said, <laughs> nice boy, but he's about as sharp as a bowling ball. <laughs> Joe as Jesse Ventura. The steward of Gondor. Steward. You are the steward of Gondor. You're the steward of Gondor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesse, the body of Ventura is in Lord of the Rings now. I return to you now with the turn of the tide. (laughs) We have to go see Lord Saruman. What if he would call him? The precious. (laughs) Taters? What are taters, precious? (laughs) We'll have to go through the mountain. (laughs) Fly, you fools. If he just like played all of the characters, all the characters, <laughs> my sword is yours, <laughs> and my bow, <laughs> and my, and my axe. <laughs> Gondor calls for aid, <laughs> and we're going to meet him this Saturday at the Pontiac Superdome. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's funny, like, we're actually going through those movies now. Like, I haven't seen them in, in a decade at least, and, and Jenna has never seen uh, part three, so she's only made it through two of the movies. So we've slowly been going through the extended edition, which is like yeah. like 12 hours worth of cinema. Uh, when you put well, yeah, it all together, there's no way to quickly go through the extended. No, we're, we're kind of treating it like a like a like a, a TV show, a series. We'll watch a chapter here and there, and there's different characters come and go. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, uh, listening to all of those lines, like she oh she gets all of the impersonations now that you were doing uh, as Jesse the Body Ventura. I'll tell you when I was doing because there was like a good like four or five episodes of the editing bay in a row where mm-hmm. I was like stuck on doing my Jesse the Body Ventura voice. Oh yes, and I think it was mostly when we were recording like in person together yes. uh and i got to the point and that it wasn't that one but i think i got to the point where i did start sounding pretty good at it oh yeah and started kind of picking up on some of those mannerisms and now like i just tried to do it i was like that isn't how he sounds little, at all a little rusty huh he, yeah dude he takes to do a good jesse ventura it takes a little bit of practice but yeah those are some fun clips i like your don knots you like you've you've done the don knots a couple of times because like Joel's one of those people that sometimes when he talks, he'll punctuate it with like the inhale through the nose. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of Don Knotts all the time. And I think, I think I called you on that and you did it once before. So that's, that was a good call. It's my, uh, the only impersonation I can do. And, uh, that was my only, uh, that's uh, not true, man. You do a kick-ass Kermit the Frog. What? Oh, well, only if I sing, uh, somewhere over the rainbow, which, uh, uh, if you Dude, meet me at a they, karaoke bar sometime in the future, you may hear a little it, rendition. It's called first off, it's called Rainbow Connection. Whatever. That's what I mean. Uh, oh yeah, that's, second, that's Wizard of Oz. I was I was sitting with Sarah. We were watching TV and I think like it was like the Muppets, it was Christmas Day, it was like the Rose Parade or something. Or it was oh, yeah. New Year's Day. And they had like Kermit the Frog was the Grand Marshal for the Rose Parade. And whoever's doing the voice, like it used to be Jim Henson, obviously. Yes. Then it was Brian Henson. Right. Then they like fired Brian Henson. What? And some other dude is doing the voice now. And whoever's doing it sounds nothing like It's not that. the same, is it? And Sarah was like, dude, they should call Joel. Joel should be the new <laughs> that thing and i started doing a miss piggy we could totally be muppet lovers we could totally (laughs) now what would that sound like is uh (laughs) kermit the frog and piggy in the bedroom piggy you're you're squishing me i'm gonna ride your face (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) show me those tadpoles uh the winner then for best impersonation anybody have any guesses I'm going to say just based on the law of averages, it's probably one of mine. It's probably you. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that is a smart choice. And in fact, yes, Joe, you did win for your Jesse Ventura, uh, your many impersonations, the many voices from Lord of the Rings. I'm so honored to finally take home this championship. Oh, oh, Jesse Ventura is here joining us to accept his award. Hello, Joel. Hello, Tesh. Hello. Hey, Proudly accept this belt. And all challenges. I'm not even going to do it. I Hi-ho. can't do the voice. Good thing the show's over then. You'll never have to do it again. Don't worry. But uh, enjoy your uh, your Pyrrhic victory. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So moving right along. Moving right along to uh, the next category, which is uh, Best Pleasant Surprise. Now, this is a story all about how we watch a new movie every year. My life got flipped. Right <laughs> up right down. Uh, Ironically, two Will Smith movies on this list. Is there really? That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, I should explain. Best Pleasant Surprise isn't necessarily a movie that's new to all of us because I can't remember the last time we all watched a movie for the first time. Did we do that at all in 2020? I feel like at least not, one of us a movie that all yeah, of us yeah, had seen. Time. So so what qualifies for like best pleasant surprises? It has to be new to at least one of us, usually two of us. Uh, and it's something that we went into with a tepid expectations. 
yeah. but we're blown away. And uh, so here to announce the uh, Best Pleasant Surprise nominees once again, take it away, Lorne. And the nominees for Pleasant Surprise are I Am Legend, Snowpiercer, Aladdin 2019, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, Cuties. Cuties. Uh, I, I, it's it's so funny because it's like pleasant surprise and and Lauren's like really friendly and upbeat voice and I'm like man three of these movies are really dark and they don't really fill you with like that happy feeling <laughs> Snowpiercer Snowpiercer yeah <laughs> the the death of children um, <laughs> all of those except Aladdin I think Aladdin and Cuties were new to me when I saw them um, these were all new te- to me oh were they all new to you all new to me. That's why I nominated them. <laughs> no piercer, cuties, and things to do in Denver were new to me. Yeah. I, I really I liked that. things to do in Denver when you're dead. I, I remember hearing not great things about it back in the 90s, but in retrospect, I, I really think it was more of uh, we were oversaturated with the Quentin Tarantino clones back in the too day. Much. So Yeah, but, too much of that. But seeing it with fresh eyes in 2020, man. Like I, I think I said at the time, mm-hmm. it would be any other director's best movie, uh, even though it's considered one of this guy's worst. So I, I was, I was a big fan of that one. Yeah, I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Aladdin, uh, yeah. and I, I think I, I've said a number of times that when it comes to like the live action remakes that Disney's put out, I would rewatch Aladdin before I watch anything. Else. And I love Beauty and the Beast. I love the music from Beauty and the Beast. I love the story, but I would go back to Aladdin like a million times before I watch Beauty and the Beast again. All right. I really love Snowpiercer, man. Like, honestly, I, one. I had no idea that Captain America was in a whole nother movie about being on a train. Yeah. It's really <laughs> shit. <laughs> it doesn't work out well for him. Every time he's on a train, it doesn't work out. That is true. But uh, it did work out well for this category because that is the winner of the Best Pleasant Surprise category. It is Snowpiercer. Nice. Uh, and uh, not surprising because uh, they've now turned it into a TV series. Have you guys seen any of that show on uh, FX? With uh, Jennifer Connelly and David Diggs from Hamilton. And now Sean Bean showing up, so I'm sure he's going to get killed off in an episode uh, coming soon. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I caught a couple episodes. I like what they're doing with it. They're not doing a one-for-one. One. It's kind of like what they do with Fargo. They're just kind of mm-hmm. taking this template and uh, making it their own, serializing it. But uh, well, It's yeah. supposed to be a prequel, right? I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be a prequel, I, unless it's like a whole other train or something. You know, I've kind of come in in the middle of the series, so I'm not sure where it kind of fits in with the the, the timeline. <laughs> I, I think it's almost alternate reality because the, the they, they they redo some of the scenes from the movie, the infamous arm-shattering scene. Oh, uh, gets a replay, oh, so you wow. get to see that again in Glorious HD. But, uh, yeah, they're kind of picking and choosing what they want from the uh, the show and making it their own. But it's also kind of like a, a, cry, like a whodunit. Um, uh-huh. So I like it. Check out uh, Snowpiercer the show, as well as our winner, Snowpiercer the movie for Best Pleasant it's, Surprise. I mean, honestly, check out all of those Pleasant Surprise nominees because yeah. all of them ended up being pretty fun movies to watch. Yeah. I mean, th- again, at the end of it, you don't maybe feel the best at the end of all of them, yeah. like things to do in Denver when you're dead, but they're all good films to check out. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, however, for our next category, I think uh, we might have some disagreement because um, it is the best guilty pleasure. And... Uh, mm-hmm. A guilty pleasure. How would you how would you define a guilty pleasure, Joe and Ortes? Well, 
I'm glad that you asked because huh. I did an episode of the Geek uh, Roundtable wow. podcast. Shameless plug. <laughs> where we <laughs> had just... to talk about movies that we like that other people don't. Uh, so yep. definitely falls, you know, that, that guilty pleasure category. And guilty pleasure would be something that, like, you like that you get joy out of but mm-hmm. probably shouldn't based on quality mm-hmm. or, you know, just based on kind of like a social understanding of whatever it is. Uh, but you still get some kind of enjoyment out of it, and it makes you feel guilty because not everybody does. There you go. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, one of your movies then made this list of nominees for Best Guilty Pleasure 2020. And the nominees for Best Guilty Pleasure are Grandma's Boy, Romeo and Juliet, Tron Legacy, The Beastmaster, The Princess Diaries. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a couple there's a couple that I I, I love and honestly I, I get really worked up when it comes to Tron Legacy. You know, <laughs> yes, you calling do. it a pleasure because it shouldn't be like this is a movie that I think universally people should enjoy, and it, it surprises me that it was I, I don't want to say universally panned, but it was pretty well panned when it was released, uh, and and I think we all enjoyed it here on the podcast. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I get kind of defensive of it. Yeah, you do, and, and I, I get the appeal of it. Uh, I'm still not quite standing up for it as much as uh, you will, but uh, my my favorite on this list, I think, is Beastmaster, which was uh, yeah. a, a first time I'd seen this one in a while. I was totally expecting it not to hold up. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it even more this year than I did it when I saw it as a child, uh, and I Rest appreciate it. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yes, we just lost Tiny Roberts, and then we gained her yeah. back again, and then we, we lost her again. Yes. What was that? What was that all about? Somebody made the joke because she was a Bond girl, and they were like, "I guess she did only live twice." <laughs> no, come on. Yes, but uh, rest in peace, Tanya Roberts, uh, who yeah. uh, starred, well, maybe yeah. co-starred uh, in Beastmaster. I would say the stars of Beastmaster are the the various beasts, uh, the beasts, Hodo and Podo, the two uh, otters, and my friends. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I really like that one, Tess. What about you for this category? Oh man, Grandma's Boy, of course. Of course, that, that was, was my, your pick. Yeah, it was lovely years ago, and I still love that movie when we watched it, even though I know you guys didn't enjoy it as much. Yes, uh, and and nor do the audience, because that is not <laughs> the winner of this category. But what is the winner? Is uh, The Princess Diaries. It's the winner for Best what? Guilty Pleasure from 2020. What? Yes. Yeah, it was kind of a tight wow. one. Only got about 40% of the vote, but just enough to eke out a win. Uh, and I agree wow. with that one, because uh, I saw that... I saw that in theaters. Uh, oh, your beloved Tron came in second. Oh, uh, but I, I so saw cool. oh, so close. I saw Princess Diaries in theaters and uh, enjoyed it just as much when we did it on this podcast. And it's all because you know, of one Anne Hathaway. I'm trying, and, and I was just she about was, to say mm-hmm. that. You know, going back and thinking about the movie, it wasn't the strongest movie, but there were performances and like the characters. You know, not just Anne Hathaway, even though Anne Hathaway steals the show, and you, like, of course, you, her star power is apparent, like right off the bat. But Julie Andrews' work in the movie is really good as well, uh, and the way that they're able to work off of each other, uh, it. It, it took what I thought was going to be a yawner of a film. Like sometimes there were movies that we would pick for the podcast that kind of felt more like work than just like enjoying a movie. Mm, yeah. And I thought that I thought that's what this was going to be. Maybe American and Ninja up, Three, maybe. Like yes. <laughs> had you had you said American Ninja Two, I would have taken some umbrage with that. No, it's but, classic. Yeah, like American Ninja Three. It was mm. it was work. It was like ugh is this over yet? And that's not how I felt by the end of princess diaries. I was just delighted with it. So, yeah. um, 
good call. Even though I like Tron more, guys, I think the uh, the audience the audience kind of got it right. Yeah. Well, uh, Tron turns out was a, a polarizing uh, movie for the three of us. It sounds like, oh. <laughs> uh, which leads into our next category, uh, which is most polarizing. And uh, as the uh, category name would imply, these are films that uh, one of us loved and uh, the other two hated, or maybe two of us loved it and the other person hated. Uh, yeah, or maybe one of us thought they loved it first and then watched it again and then realized they hated it. And we all three uh, hated it. <laughs> I think we may have one of those on the list. Uh, so let's let Lauren take it away and tell us who are the nominees for most polarizing film. And the nominees for most polarizing are The Craft, Daddy's Home, the Book of Eli, Aladdin 2019, The Lobster. <laughs> Dude, yeah, The Lobster wasn't polarizing. It was just shit. <laughs> you know, horrible. You, you, you go back and listen to that episode, and even till the end, Tess is still defending it. And I'm not sure if that was just pride fucking with you or if you really felt that way. It's like, look, man, I really at one point was like, man, this was a great movie. Like when I <laughs> we saw it. Said that we were like, I remember liking this when I first saw it, and now I'm watching it like, again. Like, this movie's horrible. What <laughs> why did I sit through this? Oh my god, why did I suggest this? I told people to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hated every moment watching that movie just made you feel bad. Uh, if there was a category for feel bad movies of the year, that would be nominated. Yeah, that would um, definitely be it. I uh, over the Christmas holiday, uh, I, I I don't want to say I forced her to watch it, but I got Sarah to watch Daddy's Home too because mm. it's 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 more of a Christmas movie. Yes, we saw that as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, and so she, she, we ended up enjoying it. She she liked it more than I I I was hoping she would, and she liked it more than I thought she was going to. Uh, and and even kind of like. I don't know. It, it, it made me feel good when she said, we're going to have to add that to our holiday rotation. Ooh. There's a bit at the end of the movie where they're all like snowed in in a movie theater and John Cena shows up yeah. and they they start singing like, do they know it's Christmas time? <laughs> and John Cena's delivery in with just two lines of dialogue completely steal the show for me. When Will Ferrell starts playing this song and they cut to John Cena, and he goes, damn, it's my favorite song of all time. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm doing it no justice, but it's super funny. So when I see Daddy's Home on the list for most polarizing, um, like I'm trying to think back and remember because I think I remember liking it. Who was the one that didn't? Was well, that you, Joel? That would be me. I was not a fan of that. I didn't think uh, the combination of Will Ferrell and uh, and Mark Wahlberg uh, was a good pairing. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm overruled because uh, they made a sequel. And, and I, I did enjoy the sequel a little bit more because they gave Mark Wahlberg something a little more to do, I thought. And, and maybe just by that point, I was used to seeing them, but uh, still mm -hmm. didn't wash that bad taste out of my mouth uh, from the first Daddy's Home. I think what the sequel has going for it is John Lithgow mm -hmm. showing up and playing Will Ferrell's father, even yeah. Mel Gibson. And, and I know yeah. we've had the discussion. It's like, when is it okay to say like, yeah, never. Mel Gibson really? did a good job. <laughs> Joel's like, never. No, no never. fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but what I, I'm going to say, I think just because I think it's the movie that you both loved and I hated with an extreme passion, mm -hmm. I think Book of Eli won this mm -hmm. one. All right. What about you, Tess? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think the lobster won this one. Cool. Everyone, 
it's so rememberable. Yeah. <laughs> it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. That is true. Uh, if you're paying attention, you'll notice that there's a movie on here that was also on our pleasant surprise category, and that is the Aladdin 2019. Uh, the reason it's on this category is because uh, I... I am the lone dissenter. Uh, I did not in, uh, join you in uh, thinking it was a, a success. Uh, I found myself scratching my head wondering why this movie was even made, much the way I did with Beauty and the Beast remake. Uh, it had some things going for it. The cast, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the, 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 the leads, uh, Aladdin and Princess Jasmine. I thought they were great, but uh, could not get past Will Smith. thought it was sorely miscast as a genie. Uh, and you may hear some of our recast for the genie uh, in our later recast nominee uh, categories. But for now, the winner of Most Polarizing is, you called it, Joe, the Book of Eli, with uh, yeah. over 50% of the votes. I think for the most part, our listeners are pretty good at keying in on like what divides us yeah. the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that one definitely felt like, it, like I'm thinking, I'm looking at the other movies, and we may have been divided on Aladdin, but probably not as vehemently as we were on Book of Eli. It was pretty extreme. Yeah, I, I, I even I've, I've seen it three or four times, and I still enjoy it. I appreciate it for what it is, uh, but I, I could not talk you into uh, my appreciation for it, unfortunately. Yeah, and the craft yeah. as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I still like the craft. I think the craft has yeah, a lot to know, offer. Oh, we know. Oh, we know. Let's quickly move past this, uh, lest we linger on that, uh, and move into our next uh, category, which uh, has another clip involved, because it is our best guest host category. That's right. Every year, we have uh, friends of the show uh, join us to talk about a, uh, a, a movie. Sometimes they suggest the movie. Sometimes it's one that's been on our list for a while. Uh, and it's always nice to have a fresh perspective uh, to, to join our little uh, trio here to uh, get their opinions on movies and TV and everything else in between. So without further ado, here are the nominees for Best Guest Host from 2020. And the nominees for Best Guest Host are Ryan Jenkins for X-Men The Last Stand. I like when uh, Beast and Wolverine are meeting for the first time and he's like, I hear you're quite an animal. Did you think they were flirting with each like, other? Look who's talking. They were all they were all <laughs> like, there was this weird sexual, sexual tension yeah. between mm-hmm. Wolverine and Beast the mm. entire movie. I'm into that movie. Let the fur fly. <laughs> Laurel O'Connor for X-Men The Last Stand. So no, I don't really have any. The only thing that I found like just com- comedic throughout the whole thing is that they're constantly surprised by Magneto. Yeah. That they're always like, "By by George, he's done it again." And I'm like, this is his power. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? Yeah, who'd have thunk? <laughs> Sarah Cucinati for the Princess Diaries. Sarah, tell us about the Princess Diaries. <laughs> it's a girl who discovers that her long-lost grandmother is actually the queen of a country that none of us have ever heard of, and <laughs> she is the princess of that country, and now she needs to stop being a wallflower and go rule a nation. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty much it. Guys, this has been fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> good night, everybody. Devin Pike for Time Cop. Actors always love to play a delicious villain that allow you to chew scenery as mm-hmm. if it were bubblegum. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that Ron looked at the script and said, I get to be the ultimate bad guy and everyone will hate me and I get to slam people into doors and break their <laughs> noses and I'm going to be a blob of goo at the end of this flight. <laughs> Where do I sign? Where do I sign up? Jay Gunn for Sonic the Hedgehog. 
I had this thought going in. They're going to suck. I'll watch them at some point just to say that I did. And Joe started going off on how great they were. So I'm like, well, shit, okay. I'll go ahead and and give them a try. And fuck it. Fuck yeah. Sonic. Hell yes. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest movie ever. Sonic. Fuck yeah. yeah. (laughs) Should be on the posters. Uh, If you want to hear more of Jay Gunn, uh, he is our uh, semi-permanent co-host on our sister podcast, The 16-Bit Gladiators, where we talk about video games. Uh, So uh, subscribe to that podcast at 16bitgladiators.com. You want to hear more of Jay Gunn. Uh, But for now, it is time to announce the best guest host winner. And that honor goes to, this year, Joe, your lovely wife, Sarah Cucinati, for The Princess Diaries. That's right. Oh, my gosh, here to accept no her award <laughs> is Sarah Cucinati herself. Congratulations, Sarah, for uh, quite an outing. Hi, thanks. This was a hard-fought battle, and I just <laughs> want to say congratulations to the other nominees. Now, it's just an honor. Now, how many uh, small children did you have to coerce into voting multiple <laughs> yeah. times this year in order to win this category? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. sorry. What is? I think the baby's crying. Oh wow, <laughs> typical. Oh, 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 no, Set up like the fake, the fake bots to to vote for this thing. Um, yeah, no, no, it was, uh, it was, it was a good appearance. It was fun. We've had her on what, like at least once a season, once yeah. a year. We try to have you on once a year, and every time uh, it's uh, one of my favorites. And uh, you always have a lot of thought and a lot of insight and things to say, and you also bring the funny. So uh, please uh, keep that up. <laughs> I was going to say, come back to join us, but there will be no more episodes. To actually actually talk to you guys instead of just like screaming into the void because I can hear the whole podcast, but I can't contribute. Well, uh, maybe in maybe in 2021, post COVID, uh, we can we can gather in person again and talk about the Princess Diaries too. We should because it's 2021. Everything's done now. All the all our problems are over. That's right. Just just like that. (laughs) <laughs> Guys, we made it. We, we made it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Well, congratulations, Sarah, once again. Thanks for being a big sport. And, uh, yeah, Princess Dyers, listen to her episode because uh, yeah. it is uh, one of the highlights did from 2020. Mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce what the next category is? Oh. I, uh... We're going to do that right there next. Yeah, kick it to Lauren. Yeah, do you want to kick it to Lauren? I don't know what that means. Say, mm-hmm. say now with the nominees for Best Recast Male, here's Lauren Burnson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, what was my line again? <laughs> Good night, Gracie. <laughs> well, actually, before you do that, let, let's set up this category a little bit, because um, if you're a regular listener, you know that every week uh, we end each episode uh, with recasting the movie du jour. Uh, and so we've broken it down into four categories, and uh, here to announce the uh, nominees for the first category. Well, I was going to throw it to you, wasn't I, Sarah? <laughs> That's the whole reason we're doing this. <laughs> So uh, now with the nominees for the best male recast. There we go. Thank you, sir. And the nominees for best male recast are Terry Crews as the genie in Aladdin 2019. John David Washington as Denzel Washington in the Book of Eli. Paul Rudd as Jim Carrey in The Truman Show. Joaquin Phoenix as Colin Farrell in The Lobster. Justin Bieber as Robbie Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, in Cool as Ice. Man, I gotta tell you, 
the uh, Terry Crews test, that was yours. Terry Crews as the genie in Aladdin. Like, that is inspired. Like, that's so perfect. And I wish they would have taken that route instead of uh, going the safe Will Smith route. It would have been a much better film. I say this every year. I am always so delighted when you're you're so inconsistent with the way that you list the stuff. So it's like <laughs> Terry Crews is the genie, but then the next one is John David Washington as Denzel Washington. In the <laughs> well, who can remember what his? All right, well that's a bad example because his name was Eli, right? Probably Eli. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, but who remembers what uh, Robbie Van Winkle's character's name was in Cool as Ice? It was Ice. <laughs> was it ice? No, yeah, maybe uh, it was. No, it was something. It was some play on Robbie Van Winkle. It was like Johnny Van Horn or something. It was Bobby Van Wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's what it was. Uh, but Terry Crews has my money. How about you guys? That's a good one. Uh, I I go with Paul Rudd for anything. Paul Rudd, yes, in any way, shape, or form. I do like Paul Rudd for Jim Carrey, The Truman Show. Well, you and the listeners do as well, because Paul Rudd as Jim Carrey in The Truman Show is the winner of the Best Male Recast. Uh, and that one was by me, so uh, congratulations to myself. It's an Way honor to just go. to be nominated. Uh, I'll give myself a little little pat on the back, a little one of these. There are probably, like, some of the other people that were listed are probably better actors, but I just think that, like, I think just on the likability scale, oh, I don't yeah. think you're going to top Paul Rudd. And I think people just immediately gravitate towards like they want to know what he's doing or be involved with what he's doing. Yep. And I think that's it, it's exciting. It's exciting to think of Paul Rudd taking over a legendary role like what Jim Carrey did. I remember when they announced that he was going to be Ant-Man uh, and thinking like, oh, this could be the first uh, Marvel misstep, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to gel. And he fit right in, and and you don't yeah. even think about it twice. Uh, TNT has been showing uh, Endgame now on TV, and uh, we've, man, we've been watching. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's man, so engrossing. Love that film, and uh, just reminded of how great not only that movie is, but how great uh, Paul Rudd is in it Amy. as well. And not not just Paul Rudd, but Peyton Reed, who directed both of the Ant Man films, yeah, and also directed the finale of the latest season of The Mandalorian. Oh my god, um, like. Getting to see where because that movie was originally supposed to be an Edgar Wright thing. That's right, and and I think no, it is right. W ah, Edgar Wright, ah, uh, ah. but like to to be a big Edgar Wright fan. Uh, by the way, the Scott Pilgrim game comes out on the fourteenth on the Switch. Yes, oh, yeah, saw that. Um, so to be a big Edgar Wright fan, like Ant Man would have been right up his alley, and he probably would have done a fantastic job with it. Like I have a hard time imagining anybody but Peyton Reed now at this yeah. point doing it. Uh, it's just excellent work. And like you said, like it, TNT's been showing Endgame. There's also one of those channels has been showing the Ant Man movies over and over yep, again, like the same every one. holiday weekend. And like every time we see that it's on, like the TV parks there. Yep. And we'll we we watch it. I I I think last time Sarah put it on, I was like, I don't think I could do Ant Man again right now. Like we we watch it. So- <laughs> I just don't think I could do it again. That's so funny uh, because uh, that's like uh, Jenna's favorite one too, and uh, I think it's yeah. the, the Paul Rudd effect. Uh, the ladies do love some Paul Rudd, and the guys, and the yeah. listeners. So thank you yeah. for uh, awarding Paul Rudd as Jim Carrey in the Truman Show. How great would he be? Oh yeah, he he'd, be he'd be really good. That was an inspired choice. Too. All right, well we're gonna stay on this uh, recast category train and uh, jump right to best female recast uh, for 2020. So take it away, Lauren. And the nominees for Best Female Recast are Zendaya as Katniss Everdeen in The Hunger Games, Emma Roberts as Princess Mia 
in The Princess Diaries. Frida Pinto as Princess Jasmine in Aladdin 2019. Elizabeth Olsen as Jean Grey in X-Men The Last Stand. Anna Kendrick as Irene in Me, Myself, and Irene. Dude, you got every every one of those was an actress as this character in this movie. Oh, well, it just happened to work out. It, it did work out. You did great. I didn't even remember uh, the uh, the name of Anne Hathaway's character in the Princess Diaries. Princess Mia. Yeah, Princess Mia, mm-hmm. Mama Mia. Is that in fact, Joe, your favorite from this category? No. The re- best female. Re- Honestly, I think because I thought that Renee Zellweger was so rough in me, myself, and Irene, <laughs> and Anna Kendrick as that character, I think is what's going to take my vote. Yep. Because I just, I, I think that's such a marked improvement over yep. what was there before. I agree. Yeah, that was a that was a good uh, recast, and that was yours, Joe. So way to way to pick your own. Tess, what about you? <laughs> well, I love everything Zendaya. So ah. Zendaya, Katniss in the Hunger Games takes my vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I liked yours, Tess. Uh, the Elizabeth Olsen is Jean Grey. I think since uh, she's already kind of a, a Scarlet Witch type character, I think uh, mm-hmm. seeing her in that role uh, would have been well, could have only improved X Men: The Last Stand. I think we all know mm-hmm. where we stand on that film. Uh, and we're just days away from Wandavision, guys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Also coming out, the first uh, Marvel show on Disney Plus, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, the winner then for the best female recast category is. In fact, Zendaya as Katniss Everdeen Ooh. in the Hunger Games. And Tess, that was your pick. So congratulations, buddy. It's inspired. I won. I won. won. Yeah, I got an Eddie. I don't know what to do with it. We did it, Joe. We did it. We did it. We'll have to rub our Eddies together. Yep. Uh, this is the Eddie Awards. We're, we're about halfway through the categories here. But before we move on to our uh, to continue our recast um categories with the uh, recast duo and recast ensemble we're going to break it down here a little bit uh, literally because uh, we like to break out into song that's right joe's doing a little beatboxing there which is the perfect segue into our next little highlights clip here because uh, if you're listening to the show you know we like to break out into song every now and then uh so many times that uh, we have enough clips for a little montage uh, so without further ado uh here are some of our best musical moments from the 2020 editing bay season See when a man loves a woman. <laughs> when a man loves a woman. <laughs> Unforgettable. In every way. That's my darling. Designed by Lenny Kravitz. Ooh, you fucking Lenny Kravitz. Dude, why is he I, crapping up this movie? Every time. Is it just me or every time he was on screen, I was trying to imagine where he would fit song lyrics from his songs into his dialogue. Pan Am Woman. <laughs> Get away from here. District 12, woman. <laughs> Ace Ventura, oh, when nature Casper. calls, and Ace Ventura. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Test your might. Luke Sonia. If you, wow. uh, if you eat enough uh, brain and spinal column, it'll, uh, it'll give you the shakes. That's phase wow. one. Really? Yeah. Let that be a I lesson to you. Uh, Want to be cannibals out there? It's you find young cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> find young cannibals. She wow. makes me shaking. Ooh, ooh. 
Come on, feel it. That's the story of this movie. Uh, what I thought humans was, gonna be humans. What? Yeah, man. Why are humans Hate great? So they gotta hate. be great. Love is gonna love. Mm-hmm. I don't even want <laughs> none of the above. I want to piss on you. Drip, drip, drip. I think that's why they went. They went with horny Jean in this one. Most, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody went, well, look how she's dressed here. Let's make her. Oh, what can it mean for a dark phoenix saga and a homecoming queen? Is one hell of a it's one hell of a ride, Joe. Okay. When you say, <laughs> I see what you're doing. I there. think you should get on board this, this train. <laughs> Come on, ride the train <laughs> and ride it. Up. Come on, ride the train <laughs> and ride. It's the snow piercer. <laughs> and then you have your chant that that what is it? Yeah. Earth, air, fire, water. Earth, air, fire, water. Earth, 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 air, yeah, air, yeah. air. Basically, sounds like DJ assaults ass and titties. If you've ever heard that. Earth and fire. Earth, earth and fire. Ass and titty. It was what's happening. It was what's happening. Hang on, wait, wait. I got with rerun. There it is. Wow. <laughs> I bring a kazoo for yes. a reason. We're five oh minutes God. in. Who knew it was going to be so helpful this episode? <laughs> we, it's not dun 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 dun. Yeah. It's dun 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 dun. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with St. Elmo's Fire. I was making some chocolate chip cookies last night and I was like, Preheat the oven. Preheat the oven to 350. Oh, I watch a movie that's called St. Elmo's Fire. Then we're going to talk about it tomorrow night on the podcast. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what they have to say about St. Elmo's, Elmo's Fire. Fire. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, that's great. You know, it's, it's fun when you put that stuff together because I feel like we used to be a lot more musical back in the day and I, I always I feel like we're not anymore and so this is a nice reminder that we still stay true to those roots it's, right. it's hard to do with the delay sometimes yeah hard, hard to stay on beat but we did mm-hmm. it we did it folks we did uh, it we, we we did we did more recasts is what we did that's right we sure did Joe thanks for that so we we've gone through male we've gone through the females but now like every great comic team you know you got uh Lewis and Martin mm-hmm. uh, yep. Ab- Costello, right. uh, Frickin' Frack, yeah. Jeff, Bert and Ernie, <laughs> oh, Bert and Ernie. <laughs> oh, yes. Frickin' Frack, Jim McGeehan, the, the Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. So, so, so now we're going to go through our best recast duos. Take it away, Lauren. And the nominees for best recast duo are Michael B. Jordan and Donald Glover as Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in Bad Boys 2. Christian Bale and Kristen Bell as Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele in Fifty Shades of Grey. Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively as Jim Carrey and Renee Zellweger in Me, Myself, and Irene. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel as Romeo and Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. Justice Smith and Donald Glover as Kid and Play in House Party. I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think I realized <laughs> Christian Bale and Christian Bale. Christian. Christian Grey. I didn't think that. 
went Absolutely. together that well, yeah. Uh, Lauren, bless his heart, had to read that one a couple of times because uh, he, he kept laughing at that as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard not to say that without breaking into the Christian beer. Christian beer. And Christian beer. That's my favorite. That's your favorite? Yeah, I got to admit, I think that was pretty good too. But I also like uh, Justice Smith and Donald Glover as Kid and Play. I thought that was a, a nice addition. I like that one too, even though uh, I think Michael B. Jordan and Donald Glover for Will Smith and Martin Lawrence was my pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm also going to go with Justice Smith and Donald Glover for Kid and Play as well in House Party. I think that that would be one of the few things that could make that movie better. Yeah. Uh, and as long and, as we're... I loved, I loved House Party, but that, yeah, that's a good duo. Yeah. Tess, what about you? Christian Bale and Christian Bale as Christian Grey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, and, and as long as we're, we're calling them all out, Tess, I really thought uh, you're Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Uh, that was a, that was a oh. great idea for the Jim Carrey and Renee Zellweger for uh, me, myself, and Irene. Because you already know they've got chemistry. They've got chemistry in yep. real life. So uh, why not pair it up hey. on screen? Uh, Do they know? Hmm? Uh, yeah, Did you ever see Green Lantern? Because <laughs> they play opposite uh, each other in Green Lantern. No, really? Well, then then they'll fit right in in uh, Me, Myself, and Irene, where Jim Carrey and Renee Zellweger had uh, zero chemistry. But, yeah, uh, don't hold that against my boy, okay? We don't talk about the Green Lantern. <laughs> hey, Taika Waititi plays his best friend in that movie. I didn't realize what? that until like a month ago. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'll have to see it now, maybe. Yeah. Never. Well, wait. Let's not go too far. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's find out then who the winner for Best Duo Recast is. And the coveted Eddie Award goes to Joe for Michael B. Jordan and Donald Glover. It's Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in Bad wow. Boys 2. Wow. Maybe a little yeah. obvious, maybe a little on the nose, but uh, well, it's br- brilliant nonetheless. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for voting for me on uh, on this one. I think there were a lot of great – this is one of, those, one of those categories where there were a lot of great options. And I'm uh, just honored to be a part of it. I agree. Uh, another category with great options is our final in the recast category. That's right. We've done male. We've done female. We've done duo. And uh, so that leaves it to the ensemble. Uh, again, if you haven't listened to our recast special from 2020 from a few weeks back and you want to know just exactly how this all fits in, uh, you can you can do that uh, and then come back here and listen to who won. So let's uh, hear who the nominees are again for best ensemble recast. And the nominees for Best Recast Ensemble are the cast of TV sitcoms in X-Men The Last Stand, the cast of time travel movies in Time Cop, the cast of Mission Impossible movies in Outbreak, the cast of Community in Oz the Great and Powerful, the cast of Game of Thrones in The Hunger Games. This has been one of those categories that I, I've, I've always really enjoyed. Um, I was really it, it proud was, of um, It's nice of Lauren to, uh, to list off who cast what. I, have, I don't remember who. I think I did <laughs> Oz the Great and Powerful. Well, that's why you have to uh, listen to our uh, recast special from a couple of weeks ago where uh, we replayed the segments, mm-hmm. and you can hear for yourselves what, uh, all, all, the, all the hard work that went into uh, to that nomination. But, yeah, I think uh, you, did, you did Outbreak, the cast of Mission Impossible and Outbreak. Uh, I think you also did the yeah mm-hmm. community cast community and Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, I believe yeah. Tess was uh, Game of Thrones, had, 
Or if it had Joe? anything to do with Alice yeah. and Bree, it was probably me. Yeah, that's a good bet. I, I was proud of my cast of time travel movies for Time Cop. Thought I was being a little clever there, but no, uh, that's horrible. Not that's clever horrible. enough to uh, win the category this year because uh, the winner of the best recast ensemble was Ryan for the cast of TV '90s sitcoms for uh, X Men: The Last Stand. You mean Craniacs and Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries? Ryan Jenkins, the one and only. Win none other. <laughs> well, guess what? I'd like to introduce everybody to Ryan Jenkins from hey. the Craniacs podcast and Tara and Ryan's oh Princess Diaries. Oh my God! I've, I've never in my life, you know, I've, I want to start off by saying whenever I watched the Oscars when I was a kid, my mom always sat there and went, "Hmm, that person didn't thank their mother." So I want to thank my mother for this award <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> So in case she ever listens to this, I don't get in trouble. She'll but never hear this. Honest to God, guys, if you put a gun to my head right now and asked me what any of my casting was, I could not remember it to save my life. <laughs> I spent way too long doing it and then immediately dumped it out of my memory 100%. But I remember really enjoying putting it together. Well, that sounds like just about every episode of the editing. Video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you had like 21 people in that recast, I think. It was it was extensive uh, I I've always since uh, you know listening to you guys really early on enjoyed the recast idea so that when I was I I, I don't want to say I started two podcasts in hopes of being a guest on this podcast <laughs> that might have been it but I definitely was like when it was uh, time to do the recast I did my homework I was like I'm doing everybody on here I was excited I I did oh, wow. a deep dive into 90s sitcoms to to make them all X-Men and I enjoyed every second of it. I enjoyed every second of that recast way more than any second of X-Men the last watching stand. the film. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here it is. Yes. It's paid off now with your your very own Eddie Award. So congratulations. That's right. And we we enjoyed every second of you joining us for that episode. Absolutely. It was wonderful. <laughs> Big round of applause for Ryan Jenkins. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you everybody. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, Joe will be available to be on your podcast now. <laughs> yes. We, we keep talking about we need to do money playing oh my on, on, on the on Craniacs. That's right. That's right. That that one. And, uh, you know, if I can find time when I'm not doing the Geek Roundtable podcast. Yes. Uh, Cheating on us with other podcasts. <laughs> another episode coming out this week. So check it out. All right. Enough plugs for you. Ryan, thanks again for uh, playing along, for being an awesome guest and uh, coming up with that awesome recast. Thank yes, you, guys. And guys, thank and you. Was wrong. And one last, one, last, <laughs> one last time, giving them a plug, the Craniacs podcast and Taryn Ryan's Princess. Guys, check out those podcasts. It's quality. I'll wait for my award in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be waiting, man. Yeah, you'll be waiting for <laughs> um, And now is that time where we kind of uh, – Take things down a notch. Yeah. You know, we've had a lot of laughs, a lot of yucks. Uh, we've looked back on some fond times. But just like every year, and it seems like 2020 was the year that took the most from us, uh, we, we uh, would like to focus on, uh, on some of the folks that, uh, that we lost in 2020. And a surprise appearance by, uh, rest in peace, Wilford, not Wilford Brimley. What's his name? Fred, uh, Fred Willard. F, guys, it starts with, yeah, there you go. Fred Willard. Yeah, he's, he's in it. It's really sad, though, because he's playing Steve Carell's old, at the doorstep of death, Ooh. with a bit of dementia, his father. Uh, and he's looking oh, wow. really old and frail. In the, like, if you didn't know he was going to die three months after this movie, movie show stopped filming, like, it, it, it's kind of apparent. 
Irfan Khan, who uh, passed away suddenly and recently um, at the tender Bro. age of 53. Go ahead, Jeff. So the dude shows up in this movie. He gives a very stirring I'm like, performance. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. There's going to be some kind of beautiful, poignant thing. Mm-hmm. No, because yeah. it's a Wes Anderson movie. Well, it Joe, doesn't... he says it with his, with his eyes, his big bulging eyes, I would argue. <laughs> Uh, we lost yet another actor. Um, first Fred Willard, and now um, Ian Holm, uh, Bilbo Baggins yeah. from the Lord of the Rings films, and uh, just a, hu- a huge body of work spans like five decades, right? That guy's been around forever. Yeah, but this role seemed so beneath him that he, he's he's got, I think, three scenes. Just such a horrible, like, unceremonious way to, like, <laughs> to exit his character from the movie. It's a little tribute to Kelly Preston, mm. who uh, who passed away uh, after a two year fight with breast cancer. I had no idea. That, like they kept under wraps. They they kept mm. it under wraps. So and sad. She's played a bunch of like non credited and like minor background roles in a bunch of John Travolta films oh. in like recent in recent years. And I was like, bro, she's more talented than you are. <laughs> like why <laughs> why is she doing yeah. like the background work? Yeah, you should be doing her films. Exactly. Mm. Talking about the uh, the legacy of uh, of Sean Connery, Sir, Sir Thomas Sean Connery mm-hmm. in Rising Sun, he has to speak Japanese. I thought to myself, I was like, you know, look, I don't speak Japanese, but I'm pretty sure you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> As everyone knows. We lost uh, Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. his daughter Gianna Bryant, oh. and seven other people in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. The Kobe <laughs> scene, although it was very short, but it was just still good to see him and uh-huh. just remember all the feelings about that because my older brother loves him. Yeah. So I've seen him my entire life. We thought that it would be more appropriate to sh- pay tribute to the passing of, uh, of Chadwick Boseman, uh, an immense talent, a fantastic actor, and somebody that... Uh, had become kind of iconic. No matter what role he's playing, I think we all kind of relate to him in a way, even if we can't literally relate to him, uh, we, we see the humanity behind his eyes. I think that says something about someone who's played so many historical figures. Yeah. So many people that actually existed. Yeah. I think there's a level of empathy that you need to possess. Yes. To be able to convincingly play those roles. It's so bad. like I set that stuff up to be like serious, and then like the first one is us making fun of like the fact that you couldn't remember Fred Willard's name. <laughs> just, just, well, yeah. well, we pre-announced his uh, his episode like five <laughs> yeah. times, and uh, I think we finally got around to it. Right? We finally. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was Idle Hands. Was the episode yeah, where we was. we finally uh, talked about a movie that Fred Willard starred in in twenty twenty? Yeah, five months it's after start. his passing. Well, co-starred. Yeah. He's in the first, like, four minutes of the movie. That's true. That seemed to be the trend for uh, 2020, huh? Yes, it was. Choosing movies where the uh, the, the dearly departed uh, had the least amount of lines. And then we then we overcorrected. We're like, let's now watch 20 movies that this person has done. You know what? I'm glad we did that, though. Uh, that Chadwick Boseman tribute episode, uh, we'd never really done anything like that. And uh, I think that was a great idea. We all talked about different Chadwick Boseman movies, some of his multiple movies. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I watched uh, over the holiday break that uh, what is it called Ma Rainey's Big Booty or something like that. Oh, I haven't watched that yet on Netflix. Uh, it's it's Big Booty. What is yeah. it called? <laughs> I think that's what it's called. 
I know it's not that. That's I don't think it's Ma Rainey's big booty. What? Ma Rainey's black bottom. Black bottom, oh. that's what it is. Black bottom. <laughs> Close enough. Big. Uh, a, a good movie, but very much uh, a, a stage play that you could tell was uh, was just adapted for film. But uh, man, Chadwick Boseman again knocked it out of the park in that, and uh, it was even more bittersweet uh, watching that, knowing that it was you, his final you performance could see too, where yeah. where he had got really thin, and yeah, uh, it was starting to it was starting to eat away at him physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we didn't even get an opportunity to talk about Tiny Lister, who we lost. In uh, oh, December yeah. of this past year, right. who uh, I'm sure we we've done a couple of his movies on this podcast. We did The Fifth Element, as well as Bard Friday and No Holds Barred. That's right. So I guess let's, we can get back into the swing of things. We got a couple other, uh, uh, yeah, we've got a couple uh, categories left uh, coming down to the uh, the final two, uh, and now we got to start putting blame where blame is due right. on the shoulders of the directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got our category worst director. Lauren, take it away. And the nominees for worst director are Roland Emmerich for the day after tomorrow. Michael Bay for bad boys Two. Brett Ratner for X-Men. The last stand, the Farrelly brothers for me, myself and Irene. Gary Ross for The Hunger Games. That's a tough one because uh, some of those movies are better than others. Uh, but like you said, Joe, the uh, the fault lays uh, squarely on the shoulders of the director. Uh, my, I think my least favorite director uh, in that category has probably got to go Gary Ross. You may not know his name, but everybody knew The Hunger Games. And what a big kickoff franchise uh, and here comes this guy just had no vision for what the film version of this uh, young adult uh, film series should have been. Uh, and mm-hmm. it showed, man. It was uh, uneven uh, and saved, I think, only by uh, the performance of the lead actress. Yeah. I think for me, I, the hardest thing is separating the man from the art, uh, so to speak. Uh, and that's why my pick would be Brett Ratner. Mm. Just I think Brett Ratner is just an abhorrent and despicable person. Uh, so it's it's hard for me to to separate him from any. He has to be the worst just because Brett Ratner is the worst person. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. for me, I'm looking at the list and I'm just remembering the movie I had the worst time with. And that probably had to be The Day After Tomorrow. So I guess <laughs> I'll have to go with Roland Emmerich. I think that's a good that's a good pick too because uh, he's done better movies. I'm I have a soft spot for Independence Day. Listen to our Independence Day episode. Uh, yeah. But also, uh, yeah, just when it falls apart for him, it falls apart hard. And this was a good yeah. example of that. He was really trying to recapture that magic of Independence Day, and it just uh, missed on uh, every, at every opportunity. Did not. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was rough. But Joe, uh, it looks like uh, the listeners agree with you for this category because Brett Ratner is the winner for worst director for X Men: The Last Stand. And I gotta not say, listening, like actors around the world life agree with me as agree. well. Mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, but <laughs> especially because of this franchise, because you want to talk about the, the third in a trilogy, and he had it like perfectly queued up, right? Say what you will about Brian Singer. Uh, the first two X Men movies are really strong, and that second one just built upon it. And you could see where he was dropping little little breadcrumbs, where he was leading uh, for for the you know the great Phoenix uh, 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 climax there in the third film. And Brent Ratner just fucking dropped the ball hard. Yeah, 
And I think what compounds it further is when Brian Singer finally returned to the franchise yes. with Days of Future Past. He he like knocked it out again. But the, I mean, he followed it up with kind of a stinker, but yeah. you know, his return yeah. to the X Men franchise was super strong. Um, and 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 it's hard. It is. It's hard to understand how somebody can get it. How do you screw that up? <laughs> how did you screw this up? I don't know. Uh, and it's because, and you look at all of Brett Ratner's films, and they just they lack vision. A director still needs to have vision. And Brett Ratner was coming in and just like sitting down in the chair. Is everything framed correctly? Did you say all your lines? Cool. Let's move on to the next bit. Oh, you're hot. Let's film you a couple of times yeah. looking sexy. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go wait in my trailer now? I'm gonna I'm gonna be inappropriate. Uh, I don't know. Like I just. I, I think that Brett Ratner needs to stop making films. <laughs> I don't think they should let him make movies anymore. Agreed. We'll, we'll put him in the Mel Gibson category. Exactly. Uh, um, so so this brings us to our final category. This Why don't it. you go ahead and, uh, and, and get us uh, set up for this one? Sure. It has all been leading up to this as our final category, and much in the same way that the Oscars uh, end with uh, the best film, our, of course, final category will be the worst film that we reviewed in 2020. For the final time ever, Lauren, please tell us who the nominees are. And the nominees for worst film are... Cool as Ice. The Lobster. Fifty Shades of Grey. Idle Hands. Me, Myself, and Irene. I, I, I'm having the hardest time even picking. Like, I know what I think is the worst, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm trying to also predict what the audience is going to pick. I'm mm-hmm. trying to predict what you guys are going to pick. Mm-hmm. And after after the Renee Zellweger thing, where I thought we could all agree, I'm like, man, we could all agree on this. Now oh. I'm, not, I'm not quite so sure. Because, like, immediately I think the lobster. And I'm like, oh, the yeah. lobster was so bad. But then I'm like, <laughs> did the audience even think enough of the lobster to even care to give it a vote? Or would it be something like cool as ice? Because it's cool to hate on like a vanilla ice thing. Mm-hmm. I got to stick with the one that I hated watching the most was The Lobster. Is the Lobster the worst movie. Uh, yeah, I think I have to agree. Um, it, it, it just made you feel depressed. It, and it's one thing because I felt like this movie had so much to offer. And it was lauded by critics, right? The reason I think we picked it and the reason, you know, Tess had seen it before. Uh, and you too, Joe, right? Uh, it's because when it came yeah. out, it was groundbreaking. <laughs> I remembered liking it when yeah. I saw it in the theater. Critics were raving about it, and, and I like a, a nice kind of heady, dark comedy, which is, this is definitely a dark comedy, um, but it is not fun to watch. Uh, and and on top of that, it's kind of a muddled mess. Like, the the message was kind of weaving in and out. It wasn't very focused, um, and there wasn't a lot there to make up for how bad you felt at the end of watching The Lobster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I feel personally attacked because the majority of these uh, category, majority of the movies are movies that I picked in 2020. But just three. The bright, but the bright side of that, at least, I mean, either way, I guess I win when you look at it. There you go. <laughs> so, but my worst movie definitely was Cool as Ice. Yeah. Come on. Of course. I Vanilla mean, Ice in a movie. That's mm. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to uh, disagree with that because that, that movie isn't even like a real movie. Like, it shouldn't have existed because it, oh. it was basically this vehicle for what some producer thought was going to be, you know, this long-standing musical artist. Uh, and, and he's kind of a joke nowadays. And you look back at Cool as Ice and you realize, oh, he was a joke back then. Joe, you even said yeah. so. 
Yeah, no, he was None of it made sense. There right. was nothing that was kind of tying that film together other than some weird, like, witness protection. Like, how are you going to have a witness protection story, but, like, Vanilla Ice, who is not the person that's in witness protection, is your main character? Like, how are you introducing that as your B-plot? And and just the way that things like the way the the band had to basically stick around this town because they're waiting for a couple of motorcycles to get fixed. <laughs> it's, it was so weak. Yes. It was so weak, man. And then you yeah. compare that to something like Prince's Purple Rain, which is like, hey, that's a good film. That works. Like, that's, that's really good. And I know they were making this movie going like, oh, yeah, this is your Purple Rain. It's Robbie. One. This is this is totally your purple rain. I, I I recall seeing the the movie poster, and it was like introducing Vanilla Ice, like like he was going to have this ongoing film career, which is laughable. Yeah. Watching this piece of shit, and he, he did do Ninja Turtles too. That so. is true. That is true. It's a catchy song. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, here we go. The audience has spoken, and uh, it is a tie. Would you believe it or not? For our final category, no. worst film, of course, Cool as Ice takes it but it is tied with 50 shades of gray as the worst film we reviewed in 2020 and uh yes not enough has been said about 50 shades of gray because uh, whereas cool advice is amateurish and and uh, shoddy and thrown together 50 shades of gray fools you into thinking it's a real movie and has something to say and and it's about deeper things but it it has sequels and and two yeah it's a trilogy but it is trash and more importantly than that it is dangerous the message it sends to uh women and young girls uh Mm -hmm. is a dangerous one in my opinion yeah no I, i i couldn't agree more i think this is i think what's funny is like with all the bad movies we've watched this year, mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey kind of fell off my radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I guess there was enough going on in this movie that I was like, this is kind of dumb, but I can watch it. Uh, whereas the the lobster, I just, I felt like, man, this is, <laughs> hey, this is I'm surprised like the lobster didn't, I'm surprised the lobster wasn't tied up yeah. there. So, hey, uh, man. Audience sounds like the audience liked it. <laughs> must not have been that bad. Hey, they're not voting it the worst. They must have liked it. That's, that's well, yeah. there were two winners in that category, but we're all losers for having to have watched those five movies. Yeah. No, that's um, a bit. You know what? For the the last seven eight years, hmm. I felt like a winner because <laughs> I got to spend a day, like a night, talking movies with some of my favorite people, Joel. One of my favorite people. Oh, uh, thanks, buddy. This whole thing started from having you on the uh, the video game podcast and realizing I had a lot of fun talking with this guy. I need to come up with some idea for he and I to like just g- get together every week and just sh- sh- shoot the shit talking about movies, uh, whatever. And through the course of doing a podcast with this guy, I ended up you know becoming one of the best friends I ever had. Um, uh, you know, he was in my wedding. And right. kind of always there. And that's kind of how the story of Joel Bernson uh, worked. When when I finally got to enter this man's life, uh, that's kind of how it, it started. Was oh. not long, not, not to get too emotional, but not long after my mother passed away. Uh, my first birthday without my mom. Uh, went out to a bar, met some friends out at a bar. And they introduced me to some of their mutual friends. Joel was one of those guys. Uh, and it was time to leave. And he found out it was my birthday and he was like, hey, man, no, we can't. It's your birthday. We can't end the night now. And invited me back to his place. And I guess on the way home, grabbed like a cake. I don't know how he got a cake at 2 a.m., but (laughs) grabbed like a cake. And by the time I got to his house, dude had cake for me 
and everybody that was there. And it was just, it was unexpected. It was so thoughtful. And that's kind of been, and as much as like I tease and I, you know, we, 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 we dig at each other a little bit. Joel has been one of the most, if not the most thoughtful person I've ever been able to do something with and be friends with. And, uh, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about this experience. And, uh, I, I feel like if time were on our side, uh, if technology was on our side, <laughs> we could probably do this for like another eight years. Uh, yeah. but I, I appreciate so much the time that you've put into this, how much time you've dedicated to editing it, picking that up after Jeff, uh, moved away, uh, picking that up and just all of the ways that you have taken on the heavy lifting with this podcast, I probably could never fully communicate to you. Wow. And I'm just very thankful for that. Wow. wow. Uh, and I love you, man. I'm just, I'm glad that I was able to do this with you. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Well, the feeling is mutual, buddy. And uh, I got to say, yeah, um, <clears throat> when we started this, like what, eight years ago now, uh, you, you just kind of plucked me out like i i don't remember ever agreeing to do this podcast with you it was just kind of like hey we're gonna do this another podcast about movies and here i think i should be called the editing bay and every week we'll do a movie and then we'll do this recast section at the end and it'll just be you and me and i'm like oh okay like so I, I i i you saw something in me i i didn't have confidence that uh i could talk as long as i do uh still not sure about that but uh, you opened my eyes uh, to to new movies and uh, movies I would have never seen. I never thought of. I thought maybe were not necessarily beneath me, but uh, I couldn't get enjoyment out of a certain particular type of film. And now, after these seven or eight years, uh, I, I see film in a whole new way. You've made me look at it every time I watch a movie. Now I see things in it that that uh, are directly because of your influence. And uh, not only have you uh, opened my eyes to that. You've been a fantastic friend. You have uh, been there from some of the, the best times of my life and some of the worst times. Uh, but every week, uh, this was always a highlight of my week. I always knew sitting down with you uh, for an hour or so and just chatting the shit. And it, it was never hard. It was always easy. It, it came out easy. Uh, and uh, I, I will miss it. And uh, maybe someday we'll pick it back up. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But um, I, whether or not we do this podcast... Uh, I hoped it, uh, you'll always be in my life even, uh, off the air. So you're, you're, you're stuck with me. Yeah, that's um, right. And as long as we're, uh, uh, patting each other's back, like I got, I got to give a shout out to Tess because Tess yeah. came into this show late, uh, maybe just a couple of years, right? We brought him on. He, he was doing some guest host spots and then, mm-hmm. uh, just started doing every episode for like the last year and a half. And you brought a brand new perspective to the show that, uh, you know, a couple of white dudes in their forties weren't weren't bringing um and it wasn't just the race thing it wasn't just the age thing but uh you i mean mostly the race and age mostly the race but But no you you had other interests and you you liked other actors and you just saw things from a different perspective and your your addition to this podcast i i wish we would have brought you on earlier we needed a test in the first uh six years but i'm glad you've been here uh with us for the the end of the show uh, and uh, helping us helping us round it out. So so thanks yeah. for for humoring us these past yeah. couple of years, buddy. To kind of to kind of echo what Joel said, Tess. It's uh, you know, ever since you started working for me over at the radio station, like I just really enjoyed having you around. Enjoyed your, talking with you. Um, you know, there's there's something so genuine and and fun about you when when you talk, and even shooting the breeze with you when we're at work now. Like that's just I, I'm bummed. I'm bummed that you show up at like noon. <laughs> like, oh, I get like 
I get like four minutes with Tess before I got to leave. Um, but yeah, no, you bring, you bring a cool energy uh, that, that we needed uh, that, that, you know, a, a nice fresh perspective on stuff. It's fun to, you know, movies that Joel and I maybe grew up with that you had no, no idea about. And yeah. I know that falls under the age thing. And that's one of the advantages, one of the cool things about getting your reactions on stuff. Um, but yeah, like it just, it, it's been fun. Both of you guys, like, if it weren't for Tess, I probably would have never watched something like, you know, the thirteenth. Oh yeah. Uh, and like kind of opening my eyes up a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. Uh without Joel, I probably would have never discovered uh what we do in the shadows, which is Oh yes. I mean, I probably don't go a week without referencing it or watching a part of it or yep. just whatever. Like uh it it's it, like you said, Joel, about like how we kind of influence each other and open mm-hmm. each other up to things. Like that's one of the beautiful things about this podcast is that we were able to kind of open each other yeah. up to, to, to things maybe we wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Yeah. Without uh, you, I never would have seen a no holds barred. So thanks for bringing that to my life, uh, enriching it, making me realize uh, that there are worse things I could be doing right. with my time or masters of the universe. You know, we had that, we had that live show. Uh, that's right. We've had a lot of milestones. Me, uh, Reminds me that there was somebody that was there at the beginning with us uh, that we thank in almost every episode. Mm-hmm. At the end, Jeff Earnshaw, yes. who we started the the podcast network together. Big thanks to Jeff. Uh, I miss him a lot. You know, I, I I loved. I went back and listened to some really old episodes mm-hmm. where you and I would talk about stuff and listening to Jeff's reaction off mic, yes. like in the background. So like some of that stuff was just really great. And what he added when we did afternoon delight and it was just, you know, big thanks to him, everybody that supported us along the way. Yeah. Um, our, our guest hosts, I can't even begin to start listing all of them right now, but oh, yeah. people like Matt Doden, who's like, I'm trying to think of people who've done the most episodes with us. Yeah. Hillary, Evan Thomas, yes. uh, Devin Pike, uh, Jay, Jay, Jay Gunn, uh, Luke Hawkins, you know, the, yeah, Luke Hawkins, uh, there, there's uh, Jess, man, there's been so many people, uh, but, it, it it has been an absolute blast. Just you guys, the listeners, uh, you know, M- Michael Daly, who's been oh, super fan, uh, a super fan, loyal fan throughout throughout thick and thin. Uh, we just we really appreciate you guys. This has been a fun deal. Uh, you guys have made it fun, uh, and uh, and you should make sure you subscribe to Sixteen Bit Gladiators because <laughs> you know most of the, for the most part it's the same crew, just a different theme song. Sure. Uh, and uh oh and you know what big thanks to ted mckay who has been oh, like yeah. what the voice you hear on every episode of the podcast mm-hmm. he's that guy at the very beginning you're listening to the next wave radio network uh big thanks to ted he's been a supporter of our show since the very beginning um man is there is there anybody that we're missing is there any anything anybody else i mean other than our wives Sarah yes. and Jenna. I definitely want to thank her because uh, even in the other room, she's playing a, a video game alone, waiting for me to finish this episode. So I'm sure she'll enjoy getting her uh, her two hours back every Wednesday night. Her patience and just love and support uh, doing this mm-hmm. podcast. When I met her, I was already doing it, and she kind of embraced this silly hobby of ours uh, yeah. and, and uh, n- never told me to stop, like, supported me the yeah. entire time, and uh, was even on a couple of episodes um, yeah, yeah. So uh, can't thank our wives enough uh, for no, joining they, they us on this journey. Very patient, Sarah as well has been very patient with this. And you know, I know for the longest time she would be in the living room with like the TV completely muted. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten, <laughs> we've gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm like, just just watch TV, just relax. Yeah. Uh, but she she would listen muted, and like she would basically in essence lose 
three to four hours of her night yep. because we're doing this. So just a huge thanks to everybody yep. and their support, Agreed. man. It's been, it's been a fun ride. We uh, we went to Facebook and we talked about like, hey, we're going to be ending the podcast. Does anybody have any memories, anything that they'd like to say? And I, I just want to kind of go through a small handful. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we had... We had Ryan Jenkins, who was on earlier in the episode. He won the best recast ensemble. Uh, but he had talked about like one of his favorite editing bay memories was the variance episode that I had done with Luke Hawkins. Oh, yeah. Um, were you on that one, Joel? I, I sure remember was. if you were on that one. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for remembering. And, uh, so we, we, he said basically the variance episode is one of my favorite episodes of podcasting uh, that I reposted to every once in a while. Um, the like that we did, Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> and he said he screamed at his phone during the entire Tremors episode because I just crapped on Tremors the entire time. And he's a huge Tremors fan. Uh, um, here, I've got a comment here from uh, Brian Hodges, a longtime fan and also sponsor. He says, oh, man, this was the first podcast I really started listening to. Even helped get sponsors for the live broadcast of Masters of the Universe. That's right. Yeah. And you've got T-shirts made up. You want to buy a T-shirt? Go to EddingBay.com. You can still order one. Uh, it says, I love hearing y'all talk about movies. Looking forward to more of the 16-Bit Gladiators. So thanks, Brian, for being a supporter all these years. Yeah. Um, Devin gave us some uh, some kind words. Uh, I'll raise a glass to the Editing Bay. I had an absolute blast the times I got to guest, uh, even when I wasn't mispronouncing Joe's last <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the thing, and I, I I called him out on one of his uh, uh-huh. Who Needs Sleep episodes, um, where and he just did that recently. He did his latest Who Needs Sleep, yeah. Um, but I had given him hell. I was like, you know, I just need to let you know, like, you kind of keep mispronouncing my name, <laughs> uh, and he thought that's why we hadn't invited him back. Oh. Um, Hillary Evan Thomas, she just basically responded with, "I'm sad and oh. glad." Uh, and I want to wrap it up, at least on my end, I'll wrap it up with your brother, Lauren Burnson. Mm. Wow, what a fantastic run you all have had. I've been a proud listener and even prouder to have been a small part of this show's legacy. Lauren, you are a bigger part of this show's legacy than you realize. That's right. Uh, Tess, do you have anything you'd like to say? Yeah. Man, all I would like to say is I would like to thank both of you guys for allowing me to spend the time that I spent on this show. I thought all I was going to do was do that one episode about that terrible Dragon Ball Z movie that I hate <laughs> oh so much. And that turned into like a year and a half later of episodes. And honestly, it's just been a great experience and opportunity for me. So Joe and Joel from the bottom of my heart, I thank both of you guys. Also, Lauren, never met you, but loved hearing your voice on both of the Eddies yeah. as well. Devin, everybody else that we've had on the podcast while I've been on it want to thank you guys as well and just say thank you to each and every one of our listeners yeah awesome all right well uh we're going to end this final episode then with uh one last montage uh of highlights from uh the past year uh from various episodes and uh again enjoyed the journey thanks for going along with us and uh joe how, how how do we end every episode joe i always forget i always say thank you jeff uh Tess, good job. Yeah, man. Joel, always a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. We'll see you guys down the road. We were breastfed way too long mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by our dad. Are you fucking Tyler Durden all of a sudden? <laughs> I'm your. T- Wouldn't that be weird if I was your Tyler Durden? <laughs> what Joe does is, oh, I go back and listen to all the podcasts. You go back like and watch talking the videos to myself, and it's just you. <laughs> Joe, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, that's a good one, man. <laughs> Take it away. I'm Joel. 
Oh my god. <laughs> How hard is it to put pantyhose on? Yes. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. She makes okay. it, She was doing that move that uh, O.J. Simpson was doing when he was trying to not put on the glove. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, like, oh, I can't get this glove on. It's so hard. It's like an infomercial, you know, when it's like, oh, is it difficult for you to carry too many boxes at the same time? <laughs> like, all the people in those infomercials are, like, two steps away from killing themselves. Yes, hey, have you ever wanted to make toast but take a bath at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> I think the moment that got the biggest laugh out of me is when Colin Farrell was late getting back to the camp and the, the leader was like, where have you been? And the, oh, fact, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he uses, well, I was over there masturbating behind yeah. that seat. <laughs> that's his and that's just okay. That's just a, I was masturbating. I up. <laughs> no, I, I guarantee you no follow-up questions. If you use it, <laughs> I'm halfway through the movie and they've played the same music cue like three or four times. Uh-huh. Uh, to the point where I was beating along with it. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I was masturbating along to it. That's right. <laughs> Any follow-up questions? <laughs> no, no, nope. you're nope. right. No, nope. you were right. <laughs> I hate the names in this movie. Oh like, my yeah. god! They take a play out of the Star Trek playbook when it comes to naming conventions, where it's like they choose names that are, sound just kind of believable, but they'll change like one letter, so you end up with fucking. Uh, Hamish Abernathy and uh, <laughs> Caesar Flickerman and uh, Claudius Templesmith. You know what it sounded like? It sounded like that Key and Peel skit with the football players. <laughs> now let's look at the players from the West. <laughs> Hamish Abernathy. Cantankerous. <laughs> Plutarch Heavensby, Ohio State. Donkey teeth. <laughs> Brickashaw Fergus. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Wouldn't that be awesome? They have just like, there's a school of wizardry in Boston. Yeah, I love all the. Yeah. <laughs> Expect those patrons. There you go. Yeah. Oh I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. good. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Hey, what a surprise to have Dumbledore here. Oh, I want to see this. It's <laughs> fantastic. That's so dumb. Where's Hermione? Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> When the blue team gets to go in the shuttle, I, I wish they would cut back to Hideo Takamini. Like, Bitch, I was supposed to be on the blue team. I was on that team. team. And then, like, when the ship gets sent into space, I would have still been like, fuck. Oh, oh like, they went to space? This, <laughs> this movie begs a Rosencrantz and yes. like counterpoint yes. of just the story of Hideo Takamini. Sitting there watching it on the monitor. <laughs> like, whatever stuff was happening on the street, like when Kevin was trying to make out with Leah Thompson, I'm like, <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah. do you think this would have happened for Hideo Takamini? Nope. <laughs> uh, we'll never know. Uh. Until never know, man. Space Camp 2. Will... Space Camp 2, the return of a damn <laughs> See, I thought we were going to build it up as like some kind of a some kind of a horror movie where yeah, it's like it hunting down the kids from Space no. Camp. This it's like... summer, it's a game of Hideo and Seek. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.